0: Hey everyone, this is Why Evangelism Doesn't Work, and you're here with Pastor Ben Ray and Matt Perra, and we are talking today about the cycle of evangelism. Hey Ben, could you just um, introduce yourself? Hi everyone,
1: my name is Ben, I'm a pastor here in Newcastle, and it's a privilege to come and be a part of
0: this with you, Matt, hi everybody. That's it, that's it. So you guys may have heard the phrase before, cycle of evangelism, or maybe cycle of discipleship. I've even coined a new term to go along with this same concept, Ben. It's called the cycle of salvation. Awesome. Yeah. I like it. That's right. It's all referring to something that Jesus kind of teaches a pattern, a model that you see in Jesus' teaching of winning souls and reaching out to the community. Awesome. Um, So you haven't always known about this idea of the cycle of evangelism. That's right. Uh, Its usefulness as a tool. And uh, could you explain just real quick before we get into the meat of the topic? Like...
1: Sure. Well, um, for me, it's become sort of a, a framework of how I f- view all ministry now. But I didn't have clarity on it until I was in New Zealand about 10 years ago. And I was asked at the last minute to step in and um, be the pastor for a church plant. They had planned somebody else and they fell through and they asked about 10 other people and I, as an emergency, they turned to me and it turned out to be a real blessing. I said yes. And anyway, I found myself on this church planting team and there was um, some fantastic Bible workers there, a lady. Katie Snyder. Hi, Katie, if you ever hear this. <laughs> anyway, um, I remember Katie had just come back from Mission College with Louis Therese, okay. and she'd learned about the cycle of evangelism. Which she sort of sat down with me on the couch in my house in Kaipoy in Christchurch, and she, she mapped it out for me and mm-hmm. said, this is it. You've got these different phases of outreach and evangelism. You can build your whole church calendar around it, mm-hmm. where you've got phases like uh, sowing, cultivating, reaping, and harvesting and this sort of thing. And it's yes. sort of based on Jesus' parables and around those sort of terms. Right. But fleshing it out about... It's basically taking someone on a journey from being a person in the public, in the community, through to making a friendship of some sort, through to warming up spiritually to the point where they're interested in godly things, and then right through to opening the Bible, introducing them to Jesus, introducing them to our 28 fundamentals, what we believe, and that they would fall in love with God, make a decision, and become a disciple, and then get nurtured as this uh, new believer. And And then they would, too, themselves would get involved in doing evangelism, and hence the cycle word, around it goes again.
0: Ah, uh, okay, yeah, good. So these are terms that are not too familiar, you know, sowing, reaping, to you know, to most people, right? Because most people that live in the world today aren't farmers. But in Jesus' day, these are pretty common terms, right? So he uses these agricultural examples uh, to teach principles of God's kingdom and yes. its growth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you want to just maybe share what the cycle is from and how you kind of relate to this whole principle, sure. this whole concept? I think- I think there's a few different
1: spins on it that you could look at. Uh, I know that I think Louis Torres, when he taught it, he had four stages to it where you've got a, a sowing stage and a, a cultivating and so forth. Yep. Um, the way that I see it is more, I just break it down into three key phases. Yep. Two phases before a decision is made for Christ, and then the third phase is like nurturing the new believer. Yep. So I think of the first phase in, is in making community connections or community service well, this is a section where it's. some people call it entering wedge evangelism. Yep. Um, this could be anything from like a chip program to a depression recovery thing to a backyard barbecue, our Adventist schools, just being a friendly person at work yep. or to your neighbors. Yep. This is just touching um, another life with your life and making friends. Yep. And then off of that platform, giving the Holy Spirit place to work so that in the, in the right way at the right time, somebody can have their spirituality grow and you can be there to help them go along in, on the next step. So yeah. that's kind of phase yeah. one. I call it community connections. Mm. And then phase two for me would be proclamation. This is can take many forms, but this is where the Bible is finally opened in yeah. one form or another. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a one-on-one Bible study, um, a seminar, a small group, a full-on evangelistic campaign, coming to church and hearing the word taught there mm-hmm. in some form or another. And this is where the message of Jesus, the gospel is um, presented, and there's a call for a decision at some point. Right. And so that's sort of phase has, two. Has the term
0: reaping, reaping, like harvesting. That's yes, right.
1: So, yeah. That's right. And so I guess that that um, I've mushed a few phases into one. <laughs> I think that Louis would probably put cultivating and harvesting or reaping in that same in, yeah in that same second phase for me. Yep. And then if they say yes to Jesus and they get baptized, you've got a new believer. And then there's a really important phase that comes after that, which is, you know, this is like a baby that's just been born yep. and a new believer is a Christian. And everyone knows you don't just leave a baby to fend for itself. That's it. And so um, the statistics sh- that I've come across seem to say two full years after someone's baptism. Um, that's the phase it, that they're in still. That they're really delicate in their spiritual journey for, mm. for two full years. And sometimes we can be fooled by that because we might have been working with that person for seven years prior to that point. Wow, and we think, yeah. we just assume, surely they're solid now. Um, but, you know, the stats show that that's a really delicate time for two full years after baptism. And then mm. it goes on. But basically that third phase is growing in maturity as a Christian, as a member of the Seventh Adventist Church.
0: Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's, that blows, that's so... Uh, affecting to me to think about because I've had that experience personally, where it's taken so much effort and so much time and work with someone, and you've known them for ages, and they give their life to Christ or they make spiritual progress, and then you're just like, "Yes, they've arrived. We've arrived. You know, we've we've got it. It's done. Like, we've got it. It's finished. done." And then there's almost this like sense of relief and like, "Okay, they're in the family. Yes, they're born again. It'll be and okay now. The victory is won." 10 our 10 minutes away. Yeah, and then, you know, four months later, you know, they've gone AWOL. That's and, fine. You it's know, it's terrible. Just a ghost it happens. Of, oh, it's just painful. Um, okay, so what do you think in your experience as a pastor in the Adventist church family? Because this, this is all, this podcast is about why evangelism doesn't work. So our premise for our discussion now is well, one of the reasons why we're not as effective as we'd like to be is that. We don't understand the cycle of evangelism or implement it correctly. We don't see the interconnected nature of different kinds of ministries, such as friendship and developing contacts and interests and relationship yeah. with the community, and then transitioning that into spiritual stuff and then doing good work with people once they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think we're the strongest at as a mm-hmm. church community and weakest at? And I know this is never, you can't ever make one sure. statement that's going to cover everything. Different churches are different, but.
1: Well, when I reflect on um, the cycle of evangelism or the the cycle of salvation, as you quoted yeah, the yeah, phrase, yeah. and I look at these phases, whether you divide it up into four phases or three phases or whatever, but there's probably three or four classic mess-ups that I think that we make yeah. as Adventists usually. Mm-hmm. And so you want to hear what I recommend? Yeah, yeah I love it. I love yeah. it. Okay, so the first one that I reckon is, let's just think of it in terms of three stages for argument's sake. You've got your community connections, your, your community service type stuff, make, being friendly with people. Then phase two, proclamation. This is Bible studies or seminars or Bible teaching in some form. Yep. And then phase three, growing in maturity as, an, as a believer. My observation is that any individual person who's mm-hmm. a believer or any church group will favor one of these and right. then not be so strong in the others so i just want as you're listening right now I want you to think about your own church or your own personal persuasion do you love the bible study part of it right do you love the community service part of it do you love strengthening new believers um what's your favorite thing and generally, it's nothing wrong with having a favorite thing. That's right. But we just need to have a balanced diet of these three things. They all need to be strong. Mm. And so, that, I guess that's my first point. I think that so often you'll have a church that just kicks it out of the park with, say, community service, but they're just not so excited about the proclamation part of it. Right. Or you've got another one that just does one, you know, prophecy seminar back to back after another.
0: Yeah. They just can't stop. It's they like do. they're <laughs> prophecy <laughs> seminar addicts and That's it's right. just going to happen. Yeah. But
1: then community service its not even on the radar. <laughs> and then you've got others who might even be good at both of those and they actually get a lot of decisions and a lot of baptisms, but then they just forget about them. And yeah. this was probably my mistake in our first two years of church planning there in Garden City Fellowship in New Zealand. And I had to realize, hey, am I doing anything to care for these new believers? We were so excited to mm. sort of bring new people in the door. And forgot about phase three. And once
0: they're in the door, I'm like, who are you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's your name? Where are you from?
1: And now I'm, yeah. now I'm pastoring an established church, and I could spend all my time on phase three, taking care of the believers. Cool. Yeah, right. And, um, and I have to be very intentional if we're going to get any community service or proclamation done. And we do it, but it, mm. but it happens because, like, I, I'm, I think about this, and I right. think, am I doing this, or is there a missing
0: section mm. here? No, that's so good, hey. Yeah, dude, when I was talking with, I think it was Lyle a couple weeks ago when we were doing a podcast on doctrine versus Jesus, we talked about the pendulous nature of people's minds and how like, for some reason, the human mind has a hard time uh, bringing things together that could be very complementary and that could work together really well, but instead we kind of divide them. Yes. You know, I think that might be the case with the cycle of evangelism where... Like, particularly they're all great and they're all complementary yes. and they're supposed to all work together but we kind of separate them because maybe preference or
1: I'm not sure why I think you're right I've seen it people play them off against each other and I think yeah. what a what an unfortunate um, thing to set up in our minds and it's kind of to me it's like saying which would you rather have your arm or your leg <laughs> yeah. well what a stupid question is there a scenario <laughs> yeah, where i can totally. have both my arm and my leg yeah i would really like them right. both yeah totally and so, you know, some people are just so hard out on, you know, social justice and community service. So was Jesus. Like, that's right. awesome. And some are so hard out on get the message out there. Well, that so was Jesus. So that's was Jesus. Awesome. And we just need to be like our our king, our boss, the general, and say, mm. you know, I want to have both these elements. And then more than that, I want to nurture and um, care for and strengthen and hmm. those who have already made a decision as a disciple and not just sort of throw yep. them in the deep end and see
0: you later so do you know who Quentin Betteridge is he's the pastor of yeah, Kingsliff Church he said something to me once and this is along the same lines of what we're talking about now he said that Jesus was priest and prophet and king mm. and you kind of get that from Matthew 12 where he compares himself uh, to Solomon who's a great king in mm-hmm. Israel and then he Talks about himself being greater than the temple and the priests who minister there, and so he's a priest, you know. And we all we know that the scripture teaches that he, you know, there's one uh, mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, and so he's priest, he's king, and he's prophet, you know. Um, and Moses talked about him in Deuteronomy 18:15 and said, like, God's going to raise a prophet like myself, you know, and mm-hmm. he's the one that you're going to follow. And mm-hmm. and he said that in ministry. Now this is about ministry, not so much evangelism. He says that ministry involves pastors being those three things prophet priest and king Interesting. and but we all kind of personally gravitate towards one or the other some of us are like the prophet you just walk in tell the truth, let the chips fall where they may mm-hmm. it is what it is live with it you know mm-hmm. um, Jeremiah man you're crying and then you come in and lay the axe to the root you know <laughs> um, and then but then there's the king, the great administrator, the great, Like person who can manage systems Mm -hmm. and lead armies and that stuff and then you've got the priest who draws near to someone Mm -hmm. And he said that we oftentimes try as ministers Whether you're a lay minister or you're a pastoral minister you, You always Gravitate towards what you're naturally like, you know. So if you're naturally yes. like a prophet, you think all good pastors should be a prophet. Mm. If you're naturally a king, you think all good pastors should wow. be a king. If you're a priest, you think all good pastors should be a priest. Yeah. But maybe the best pastor, Jesus, was all three. Yes. And we're just little mere reflections of that. And I think yeah. this is the same concept. It's like complementary truths, you know. It.
1: And I think it's really good to have self-awareness and just go, okay, this is my passion and this is my gift, and that's awesome, and thrive in it. But yeah. just then if you're in a position where you can do anything about it um god made us a body for a reason with a hand and a foot and a leg yeah. and an arm and also f- so forth so just make sure someone else is nailing it in the areas yes. where you're not and so as a community working mm-hmm. together you've got all the different sections catered for you don't undermine them you don't take a side swipe at this ministry or why are we putting our resources there that you 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 love it like it was your own and you're grateful that other people are doing it in that yep. space and doing it well
0: that's a great point yeah
1: all right you want to go into my next let's do it classic, yeah, let's do it. yeah totally. classic mistake we make in classic this area mistake we make. yeah that really hamstrings our evangelism Let's say you've got a church that actually does have excellent community service and points of contact going with the community. Mm -hmm. Um, They also do great Bible study and and proclamation seminars, whatever. And then they also have great small groups and other things in place to disciple and nurture members, church on Sabbath, and and all the services that you have to care for members. They're all good. But it's possible to have those things happening all in silos. They're all disconnected from each other. And so for somebody who's a community person, they might get on board the journey at one end, but the the train carriages aren't linked together. (laughs) (laughs) Or the tracks don't line up or something. And so it doesn't matter how long they go in one section for, they'll never find themselves in another section. And so this is just a logistical thing about being intentional, about just giving invitations to the other stuff that's happening in your church community. So if you're running a CHIP program, and you, you don't want to ram the gospel down their throat because they're not ready for that yet. But don't be so reserved about it that you don't even let them know other things that are happening in your church right. community. Right. I, believe in the, I believe that invitational kind of sharing is not an offense to anyone. And so whatever the program you're doing, at some point say, you know, I just want to let you know that um, there's other stuff that our church community is doing here, and you rattle it off and be thoughtful about it and, you know, share the things that are most likely to be the most useful next step. So in our church, we've got a, a kids' club. And um, so what's the next logical thing? Well, kids' Sabbath school is very similar to our kids' club that we run on a Wednesday. So, we've, so we're mindful of saying, and so is the Adventurers program. And so, we're, so they're the two things that we, we particularly keep in mind to share mm. but we'll also share occasionally we have a special Easter service we have a Christmas program and we what are we doing when we share that stuff we're giving them the chance Yeah, they it's didn't just even have the chance right. until we tell them about it mm-hmm. they might like to go, they might yeah. not want to go and that's fine, it was just an invitation we haven't nagged them we haven't been rude or offensive right. but we're just giving them that opportunity to cross over to something else yes. and when they get there they get invited to be a part of other things and so forth so we just have to be, so I think that's another classic downfall, that we'll have a great ministry that's just like a standalone thing, and people are, I think, well-intentioned about not wanting to ram the Bible down someone's throat, perhaps, or yes. maybe they just didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. But whichever way it is, you can have these silos, and they never have
0: really even been given the chance to decide whether or not they'd want to engage in something else, because they haven't even heard about it. Yes. Man, why do you think that's the case? I'm, and I, that's the first question that comes to my mind because my experience is your experience, Ben. In that, I've seen the same thing. So there's a fantastic ministry, say a food bank, and there's great relationships being built with the community. There's trust that's building and love, you know, and just mutual appreciation. And then, but that's its own thing. And it, and for five years it happens as yes. amazing as it is, and it does not. It's not translating into anything. And then. You know, there there might be lots of reasons why and some are good and probably some are not. But why do you think like do you think there are any reasons for why that does, that's not connecting well, to more? I mentioned two Sometimes. Like I think Sometimes it is, but
1: one is just the person nobody logistically encouraged it to happen. So one of it could just be a logistical plan for. Yeah. Like if someone just said, Hey, can we link these things up? People would be willing to. So believe yep. it or not, I think sometimes that's all it takes yeah, just not thinking along those lines. That's right. Yeah. Realizing this is part of a journey. And yep. people, so if your, if your membership doesn't understand and appreciate that there is a journey here, a cycle yep. of evangelism, a, a journey of discipleship or whatever you want to call it, yep. then that's one, just having a lack of an awareness. Another one is probably um, just nervousness. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think we can all be nervous and that, that's that's a fair enough thing and I think that that's where we've just got to pray to God to make us bold and um, give yeah. us a bit of courage Yeah, I think that's one another one is probably just the over, overcompensating for not wanting to sell Jesus in an obnoxious way and that's why I think mm-hmm. that the invitation is just a nice thing it's yes. not overdoing it, it's not underdoing it you're just giving them a choice that they previously mm-hmm. didn't have they don't yeah. need to take it if they don't want to. And it's just, you never know who's gonna be interested. You can't pick it. Like sometimes you can, but sometimes you'll be surprised. And have so no idea. Have anyway, no that's a, a few things that come to my mind.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I think, I, I think that we often fear more about inviting people to things than we should, mm-hmm. I think. I, I know that I, I think I probably do personally. I'm in an office and I've been here for a long time Mm-hmm. And I'm more and more removed from the world that I used to exist in when yeah. I was just with people all the time and I was mm-hmm. much more bold. And I think I was more savvy. You now I'm more afraid, afraid I overthink things like with my neighbors and my friends. And I, this whole world of fear gets developed around like me just saying, hey, man, there's this really cool thing I'm watching online. And I think you might love it, Chris. Hey, yeah, you should check it out. Here's the website. Yes. Yeah, let me know what you think if you check it out. Cool, yeah. One, and, and one get-
1: thing that I've found is, um, like I was wondering, have the same sort of thing. You know, I've preached a good sermon. Should I share it on my Facebook page with my friends? And so it's great to ask someone else. So I asked, um, you know, the pastor, Pastor Liz, I asked my wife's opinion. They said, yeah, why not? That's great. Don't feel funny about sharing that. And sometimes you can just be a bit emboldened or encouraged by another believer. By another person, yeah. And they can help give you some perspective. And you might be worried, is this too much? And they'll give you their feedback. And that's
0: why God gave us each other. Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. So the, the cycle of evangelism, it all works in concert. So if you're, if you're, if you're ever wanting to reap a harvest, you probably you know, yes. want to plant some seeds, yes. develop some relationships, let people become comfortable with you, and, and then you may want to connect that seed-sowing effort to some spiritual stuff. Yes. Where you hope to get decisions. Now, we
1: talked a fair bit just now about the transition between like a friendship or a community service and a proclamation moment. Yep. But we didn't talk much about the transition between proclamation and oh, growing yeah. as a member. Yep. And that's, an, that's the other classic downfall point. So somebody gets baptized, yep. we alluded to it before, and then we drop the ball. And so another good question mm. is to say, well, why do we drop the ball at that point? And some of it might be, we, we assume that they're okay now, Yes. We've talked about how just knowing that they're not okay now mm-hmm. is important. Um, another thing is not necessarily having a good solid strategy for what they could go into. So they've been going to a Bible yeah. study for you know six months or for some people six years, and then finally they're baptized, and then their Bible study is over. We don't encourage them to go to anything else. So this is where it's so important that we, I think this is where small groups win and, right. um, and getting involved in a ministry and getting involved in a Sabbath school class. And I think about those three things. If somebody in my church is coming along each week, they're involved in a midweek small group, they're mm-hmm. involved in the same Sabbath school class that they go to, and it's kind of like another small group. Yep. There's people who will miss them if they're not there. And then they're involved in a ministry, another community group effort, where mm-hmm. they'll be missed if they're not there. I think that's pretty Still. strong, you know? A quarter of three strands is yes. not easily yep. broken, really imagine good, yeah. it. If, and whereas some people have only got two of those or one of those, And so often, none. Mm -hmm. And that's the danger. And so I think, anyway, I think that's...
0: No, that's really cool. I'm glad that you said that. I I personally feel that it's a challenge for us because we're not used to dealing with people the way you have to. What I mean by this is if you consider your whole life as a Westerner, you know, an Australian, a Canadian, an American or whatever, Mm -hmm. there's very few times where you ever relate to a person who's not your family member the way you need to relate to someone who's just come into the faith. You have to f- function as a family member to that person. You have to basically say, "This is our brother. This is our sister. This is our family member." Yes. You have to look at them that way, yeah. and you're just—I think—that's so unusual to us because we're not used to just seeing a stranger yeah. or relative stranger. That's a great as talk. a church community and saying, "That's our brother. That's our sister. And we are going to do whatever it takes to take care of that person."
1: And this is something that was—it uh, only dawned on me especially while I was doing church planting, is that it was a real motley crew of people that we became, you know. Yeah. Um, like in life, you naturally gravitate to people who are similar to you socioeconomically. Maybe they're at the same life phase, having little kids while you're having little kids or yes. whatever. And you. But when it comes to the gospel... You make friends with someone who's 40 years older, 20 years younger. Totally. Um, No education, tons of education. Jesus just brings us all together. And I think that um, one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to break down those barriers. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're racial barriers. Maybe it's uh, other kinds of barriers that we would have. And all of a sudden, if you surrender to his gentle nudging, we've become friends, close friends, best friends with a bunch of people that we never would have dreamed that we, we are friends with that's a miracle having an openness to that I think and sort of being ready for that I
0: think is important I agree I think this is a biggie for me because I feel that I'll give you an example of something that helps me in this area if you have a child and some someone a child is born and someone abandons the, the child what's the general perspective of society on that person like it's not very positive, right? Like it's, yeah. <laughs> you you had a child, you abandoned that child. Mm. Now there can be some serious reasons why a person would do that. Tragic life circumstances and whatever. But yeah. nonetheless, no one looks at that act as something that's good or decent. In general. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so Jesus uses the birth analogy to describe someone who's come to faith mm. in Christ. And so I don't think he uses that metaphor just... To help us understand that there's a new experience someone's having, yes. I think I think there's a r- real lesson there in that he's saying this person is as helpless as a newborn child is on a spiritual level, like yes, and they need a commensurate amount of yeah care. So I, I feel that a- another reason. No, I know I'm the one talking now, and I'm supposed to ask you more questions, but like the evangel, I always find that the evangelistic process can provide a little bit more fun and adventure it's kind of the more romantic side of things mm-hmm. where it's like it's like dating versus marriage mm-hmm. in the sense that like everything's new and fresh and mm-hmm. and there's there's enough distance between you that all the ugliness of your character is not obvious, you know? It's like it's like you're just dating and it's just it's just this pretty girl, this good looking guy, and it's like you've got this caricature of who they really are. Mm-hmm. It's based on facts a little bit, but it's not based on all the facts. And then you get married and it's like all the reality, you know, and that's where real love kicks in.
1: The like, humdrum of everyday that's life. That's
0: right. It, but that's where real love kicks in. Yeah. Where real commitment and real sacrifice and real grace. So that's and, that phase three. Well, yeah, and that, like that's right, phase three is like, okay, this is not just a person you interact with regularly. They're part of the family now. Yeah. And I think it's works a real... Works and all. It's a te- works and all. It's a test of true love. Yes. And are we willing to really love people when, they're, when, when we know who they are mm. and we know what they're really about and all their pocks and holes and messiness of... of their. That's
1: such a good point.
0: Yeah. And I think if we really are grounded in loving people, like mm. fundamentally committed to love, then I think we'll start to thrive better in that, mm. in that space. Because the romance is over, yes. like you know, it's like. <laughs> Let
1: me give you one last idea because yeah. I think we've got a minute or two left. Sure. Um, another reason that I think that we fail in this cycle of evangelism and it can sort of hamstring our effectiveness, particularly looking at our church as a as a unit, like of many believers working together. One thing that I found is that sometimes we we're not efficient with our resources mm-hmm. and we'll run a ministry that we love that no longer is helping take people on this journey so I can think of a ministry that I ran a Wednesday night community seminar that um, in the first year I ran it it, we had 60 people come and it was just a hit every Wednesday night people loved it and lots of those people went on for baptism in years two three and four it sort of halved every year after that And and also as well as the numbers dropping there weren't new people joining in the, the thrill of the first year kept me doing it for the second year, the third and the fourth and it was heartbreaking while well, I had only 10 people coming. I still just loved doing it. Yeah. Like it was just, I loved it. And so I didn't want to stop doing it but I realized this is taking up a whole night a week for year after year. It's no longer bringing new people in which is was my motivation why I started. It's no longer, while I still hope that will happen, I'm kidding myself. Yeah. These people have all heard the gospel appeal like, <laughs> Twenty-five times, yes. and most of them are in the church already. Like, this ground has been farmed, <laughs> it's, it's, and I'm not bringing new people in. It's time to let it go. That's a good one. And to so, say for it. some of us, I think that some of the ministries we're doing, and you can't really force this on anyone else. This is just yeah. for you. But sometimes we need to say goodbye to a ministry we're doing that no longer is effective.
0: Right. And so that's that's another thought. <laughs> have the have the the, the self awareness or. The honesty with ourselves yeah that's good man hey thank you so much ben um yeah look if you've listened to this podcast and you've been challenged that's awesome and thank you for joining us we pray that more and more our churches will be effective in, in what they do for jesus sake and for the sake of people who need to know god remember the cycle of evangelism guys it's one of the reasons why evangelism doesn't work It's because we don't implement it it's Jesus' way of functioning and uh and when we do implement it sometimes it's disjointed but um God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us again. Um, Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, all good. See ya. See you later.